Hello and welcome in to another episode of Podcast 63 with Buck and Lou. It is Season 3, Episode 24. Um, it is post-tournament. Uh, I don't want to say March Sadness because that is every single person's tweet and headline. Um, but uh, we did make it to the Sweet 16 and we lost to Oregon State. And that's a lot of what we're going to be talking about this week. Um, I kind of had a vision that this is just kind of going to be like a... A really informal episode where we're just kind of chatting, kind of like if we were at a bar or at someone's house enjoying a drink or a pop or something and just kind of reminiscing about like the season and our last game, just kind of anything that comes to our mind. Um, cause I kind of feel like that's what a lot of people are doing. That's what I would want. Um, I wanted people to talk to about the game after I had my few hours of, uh, isolation. So I didn't, I didn't hurt anybody or myself. Uh, no, not really though. But I don't know, Lou. Are, what are you? Uh, how are you? Are you? Are you doing well? Yeah, no, doing well. I thought this episode would really just be us trying to figure out if it's Oregon or Oregon, like one of those type of oh, nights. But it, no, no, or, I don't know. Oregon, Oregon, no. But no matter what, it's a, it's a tough one. No one, no one likes to see their season end in a loss. Um, but uh, we are one of those teams. But we, like you said, we made it to Sweet Sixteen. And something you said earlier in the season uh, was we also got to be happy that we made it this far. I think we had a great year. But, again, something where I think we know our team is a little bit better than what they played, but we're excited to where they went this year. But excited to talk more. Um, Tough one, but, hey, hats off to the whole team and hats off to Oregon State. Um, But just excited to talk about what the results were and what impact it makes for the future. Yeah, so let's kind of just, we might as well just get right into it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, as as we, you know, talked about last week uh, in the N1 specifically, um, I mean, I think we both kind of said it in different ways, but we just we just wanted the Loyola to play like they have played, you know, 99% of the whole season. Like, just play their game, play tough defense, make enough shots, feed Cam, hit some threes. Um, not turn the ball over. You know, these are kind of things I feel like we've come to know and love about Loyola this season. And, I mean, I, I don't think there's, there's anything fancy here. I think they lost because they just couldn't make shots. And that's everyone. It's not just it's not just the three-point shooters. It's also going to the hoop. It's also Cam. I hate to say it. Um, but for me, that that's what it came down to. They only turned the ball over eight times, which is – great I would say um they uh had a decent amount of assists uh the rebounds were actually tied which is again that's not going to win or lose you a game either way um they just couldn't make shots they just five of 23 from three and I think three of those are in the last like four or five minutes when it I mean they mattered but um you know it was it was a, a few shots away from from, from mattering all that much. Uh, and then just overall, they were 18 of 54, 33%. I would venture to bet that's at least a top three worst shooting game for us, if not top two or one. Um, for me, just came down to, to missing shots, not making enough shots. Uh, Lou, what, what are your kind of like first impressions of the game? Yeah, first impressions was I, I think Oregon State just happened to be putting something in everyone's water because um, when I look back at it, the first round game they played against Tennessee, Tennessee shot under 30%, I believe, or around 33%. Second game against Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State shot also in the 30, low 33, hor- all both teams, horrible three-point shooting. Um, and then um, uh, against Loyola, Loyola had a horrible three-point shooting outing and right around that 33% field goal. So I think uh, i got to give a hats off. Oregon State had a defense that really was working um, in um, in the tournament. So really interesting. Um, I think our boys played tough, but I think our boys um, and the coaches didn't make an adjustment mm-hmm. uh, that I thought they could have made. Um, and I'll go into more of that in a bit here. But, yeah, just uh, really hats off to Oregon State. I think their defense – Definitely stepped up more than I thought um, in in a way that just made it seem challenging to make shots. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things you said is, like, not making adjustments, and I I agree. Um, and to that point, it took us way too long to figure out the zone. And mm-hmm. then when we did, they changed right back to man, and it threw us off again. I think because I remember 
Um, it was probably halfway in the second half or 12 minutes in, so, you know, eight minutes left. When we, we started scoring, it felt like four out of five possessions or like six to eight or something like that. And then we scored like three in a row. And then it was a timeout. They switched to man, and I think we didn't score um, maybe only about two of the next five or something like that. Um, so hats off to, to Tinkle, the Wayne Tinkle at Oregon State. Like he picked the exact right time. He figured out, you know, okay, they're figuring out our zone now. It was that one play where uh, I think it was Braden dribbled into the zone, had Cam on his left and Lucas cutting behind on his right, and he fed Lucas for like an easy layup because they were distracted with Cam. I think that very next play is when Oregon State went to his or went to man. Um, and I, and we just I, it just took them too long to figure it out. And the bummer is, it's not that we didn't even figure it out. Like we had open shots, like we had plenty of open threes. Um, and I'm not saying like, oh, a hand near you, like just wide open, wide open. I would venture to guess that of the 18 we missed, 10 of them were open, open, open threes. And to make you know. Uh, the, the clip we did is just not good enough. And I think it's a very different game if we come out and hit two of our first three or three of our first five. Like, you know, then they got to deal with that. But the fact that we missed so many to start the game, I mean, I can't even remember who the first was. Braden the first one to hit one with like five minutes left in the first half or something like that. I think it was Braden who hit a three uh, late in the first half. And then, um, yeah, when Lucas hit a couple in the second half, Keith hit one. Um, it just was, it just, yeah, I, I, I had said to friends and family, I just don't want them to look bad and lose. And unfortunately, they did with the caveat of they just didn't make shots. They didn't make enough shots, and that's, that's the name of the game. You gotta make the the round ball go through the circular hoop, and they just didn't do that enough. Um, Lou, what what more do you what you were saying? You were gonna go into depth about something else, so yeah. So adjustment really, and and people are saying, well, we we just beat we beat Illinois, and why why are we not playing the same game plan as that? And we weren't actually. A stat that I found really interesting is we only took ten total free th- uh, threes in the game against Illinois, like mm-hmm. 10 total. We made four to 10, which is amazing, but we only made uh, four and only took 10. So, I, I again, I understand we live and die by the three, and especially our team is very cultivated around uh, kind of shooting your way out of a slump. I just mm-hmm. really couldn't grasp with the idea that we went to a player that pretty much carried us in the Illinois game, and that's Cameron Crutwig, player mm-hmm. of the year in your conference, was capable of putting up the numbers against a team like Illinois. Why didn't we go to it? And there were, and then people are like, "Well, that that zone was." And I was like, "But we broke it a handful of times. Like there were wide open plays where we passed it in, and we are a high assist team. That's the thing that bothered me a little bit was that we love passing the ball. I was like, we are yeah. not a, a, like one ISO team that just drives to the hoop. No, we love the dribble handoff. Okay, the dribble handoff's not going to work with the zone." Well, there's other things than a dribble handoff. That was the thing that really got me uh, would be the adjustment around we got to go have other plays to go to. That's not just a dribble handoff at the top of the key and Cam then dishes it because that worked against Illinois, and for some reason Illinois never made an adjustment. But this is different. Oregon State was ready to adjust to man, was ready to go back to it. So they were willing yeah. to adjust wherever they needed and figure out, like, hey, these are the assignments we need to focus on. And I just think we didn't make the adjustments on um, offense. Defense, I think the first half defense was there. I think second half Porter was like, hey, we got we to gotta score offense, which is totally fair. Like, we were playing catch-up. We weren't really playing defend. We were playing catch-up mm-hmm. and defend. And I think in some cases that just leans toward a team needing to score more than try to defend. Um, but really just interesting about the commitment to just shoot threes. I really didn't think we needed it. I thought we really, really could have just gone with um, with just feeding Cam. Um, I did make my prediction. My prediction did not go through. Um, I really was hoping to see this be an Ahir Uwak game. Ahir got to the line six times and was six of six, but only one of three from field goal. Uh, really nothing really great. 
Um, and again, guys were just making, taking shots that I just thought were tough to see. And I, again, that's just the thing. Um, guys were taking wide open shots, like you said, so you can't blame them for, uh, taking a shot that's absolutely wide open. That's what we tell them to do. And that's what you coaches hope to tell them to do. I just think there's other ways to potentially break that zone and hats off to that zone. I think that zone really shocked us. And like you said, that quick adjustment right back into man was something really interesting to watch because you hadn't seen that from a team you expected like Illinois to do. So, um, overall, again, um, I'm happy that uh, Cam had a great game, but again, as Cam would say it, and I think any guy would say it, it's not about an individual thing, it's about a team. Uh, so again, there were some highlights. Um, really surprised. Uh, both teams were low turnovers, so that was like an interesting thing, 10-8. So when you really come down to it, we weren't, we were, there were maybe one or two sloppy plays, I think what's, I think someone off Keith's hand or Lucas, and that was just one play late in the game, to be honest with you. So to, like, pinpoint that is, like, oh, that's a turning point. No, I think, let's be honest, it was the shooting. There's really, if we're looking at one, one really Achilles heel or one kryptonite thing, it was the shooting. It was shooting from three, and it was just overall what type of quality shot were we taking. So um, interesting overall, but I think, like you said earlier in the season, Kind of also got to realize this we're we're in a building process. We we we're getting a, we potentially could get a little bit like oh we 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 got to make it past Sweet Sixteen like hey we made the Sweet Sixteen we've now made the Sweet Sixteen the last two out of what four years um other or last two out of three years right if you count NCAA tournaments actually happening mm-hmm. um but um I think it's a really exciting thing for our program talk to many people about how it's like an absolutely ama- great step in the right direction so excited for all that and excited for what had happened. So just a tough game overall, really tough. Um, and then one thing I just want to say and kind of lead into whatever you want to say is mm-hmm. points off turnovers. Mm-hmm. Oregon State had 11 points and we had one point. Really? And it they really, took advantage. It took advantage, and there's a play that I realize it would be interesting to see how we adjust with next year. But this was just something we never saw that – we only one time I saw would would kind of have a fast break opportunity, and that was that Braden's beautiful pass to a here. And it was just really interesting for me because it was like I don't really recall us being a team to get out there and be that aggressive pushing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and nothing wrong with that. It's just really really interesting um, how things have how things really developed. Uh, so yeah, yeah. It, it was a tough game. That's really what it comes down to as well. Yeah, I have a couple things. So first thing I want to say is when you're talking about Cam and talking about adjustments and that sort of thing, I was thinking the same thing. I can't, I don't understand how you can't be more creative in getting Cam the ball underneath. Like whether you're doing high low with Ugwak or, or, um, Tate Hall even with Cam, uh, setting Cam off ball screens, um, like there's just so much you can do and I don't understand how they didn't have that sort of like play in their playbook um, or have Porter draw something up. Um, it just felt really strange to me that they, it felt like they were just trying to jam like a square peg in a round hole. Like it just kept like, it's like, it's not working. It's not working. You're not like, I, I would be really interested to go back and look and see how many possessions they went where, where Cam didn't touch the ball. And, and that that's just not good enough. I, whatever, it, it wasn't good enough because he needs to touch the ball 90% of the time down the court, whether it's in the post, in the high post, um, and preferably down low. Uh, and, and, yeah, I, I can't believe that they didn't figure out a way to be more creative to get him the ball more often down there. Unfortunately, he had at least two wide-open layups he missed. And he'll, I'm sure he would tell you that. Like, I know in his post game, he had said that they didn't make enough shots, and he said he included himself in on that. Um, it just, yeah, he missed. That happened a couple games this year where, I mean, he's not perfect. He's not, like, obviously not. He's a, he's a college athlete. He's 22 or 3 or whatever it is. Like, he's still going to miss shots. But, uh, you know, there is a reason why he isn't, going to go first round in the NBA draft. Um, and he just missed a couple bunnies. I call them bunnies. I remember I said that one time and you're like, what does that mean? Um, I, I was calling bunnies like little easy layups that are just like, you know, gimme layups. But 
Yeah, and it, it won't show up in the stat book because he did have 14 points, 10 rebounds, and 4 assists, and a block, and no turnovers. He played 35 minutes. I mean, dude was a warrior for sure. Um, there really wasn't a good matchup for him other than their 7-footer, and that dude only played like, well, he did play 28 minutes, but there were times where Cam was forced to guard someone who wasn't really um, his speed, uh, and I know he had to come out a little bit off more often than he would want to. Um but I know one thing you wanted to talk about, which is the guard play. And um, I, for the sake of my discussion about the guard play, I'm kind of keeping Braden out of this because I think it comes down to Keith and Lucas and um, I, I guess I include Marquise and Tate on this. But specifically, Keith and Lucas got into foul trouble really early in the first half. And that got both of them out of rhythm, for sure. Um but they got to be more careful. I mean, yeah, they were, I felt like they were being kind of sensitive, calling things a little too, bit too much. But they got to understand that. Um, I think Keith had probably, I think both of his fouls were actually reach-in fouls, which are like never good. Um, and then they just couldn't make shots, and I think that was part of it. Same with Marquise and Tate. Um, I mean, they combined two of nine from the field, and I think both times were like where they got fouled and they made kind of a layup that they probably shouldn't have made. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I saw Marquise had like a bit of a, a fingernail injury thing, which I know sounds kind of dainty or something, but those those things can really mess up someone's game. Actually, I think Marcus Towns had a finger injury in the Final Four game. Um, but anyway, Marquise had um, a finger injury, which I, I know affected him. And and it just really takes away. It was his thumb on his shooting hand, and that really just takes away a lot of your accuracy shooting. But all four of those guys, I, I think you could add them all up in what two for seven, three for eleven, one for four, one for five. One of those guys had to score. One of those guys had to have a game where they score fourteen or eighteen points or something, and you know they combined for twenty four points between the four of them. That's just not good enough. Like it. <sighs> I don't know. They're all different kinds of guys. They all, you know, Keith is a really precise sharpshooter. Lucas can go to the basket and can hit threes too. Marquise is totally to the basket and Tate Hall, I'm, he's just a grinder. I don't really know what to call him anymore, but um, it's just kind of wild to me that all four of those guys really uh, uh, just none of them can make shots. And I kept saying like, they got him. How are they missing? They, they make these shots. They make these shots. Like it's, it's all shots that they make all the time. Like, it's not like they were off-balance, wild, wacky shots. They just they just couldn't make them. And, and so I'm, I'm saying too much about the guards. But what I wanted to say is just those four for me, um, we can talk about Bradis, or Braden, Braden after maybe you're done talking about the guards. But those four for me really, uh, we needed more out of one of them. And we just didn't get it. What do you think? Yeah, it's... Uh... It's really interesting because on one thing I, I think these guys can really could have really attacked more. Again, is there's one thing if Porter's saying to shoot threes. Yeah. Um. So it's really tough uh, to get a grasp on what's going on. But again, is it wasn't. I can't really blame threes as well because if you look at field goal, Lucas. I, you know what? I, I know it's so tough because it's like a threes are a lot of these guys' field goals from this game. Like Keith, six of his seven shots were threes. Lucas, eight of eleven of his shots were threes. Braden, five of seven. Uh, Cam, zero of twelve. Of course, none of them were threes. But um, it, it's just like I, I don't know if we were just trying to shoot to get back in it. Um, and I think a lot of teams done that throughout history of like the tournament or throughout seasons. Teams who are just really great with three, they try to shoot their way back in. And it's just so, again, tough to think that the guards couldn't find a way to drive or to, like, feed. This team is such a high assist team. And, again, there were a lot of assists. I think there were six for Braden. Cam had four. So it's really interesting to kind of get a feel, especially for, like, out of all the guys who shoot three, one guy who I thought would be a lethal sniper this year, again, coming back off of injury, but, like, Cooper only had one shot from three. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, again, it's a little tough. Uh, I definitely think the guard play, the reason why I wanted to talk about it, is just 
really guards, in my opinion, in that zone are ones that can help break that zone. Because the ball moon on top of the screen, the cutting across, a pick, like, it, it can't just be Cam. And we're, we pigeonhole ourselves. We can't deny it. I love this team, but we rely on Cam to do that dribble handoff so much. To, he, we bring him up. He controls the ball. And it's like, when it, Cam can't, we have to be able to have another thing to go to. We can't kind of just expect that, oh, Cam, we're zone, this is a zone. It's not going to phase us. Cam's still going to be able to do his thing. There are going to be times where he can't. And I think that defense kind of led to what I said in the N one would be they did kind of guard Cam in a way that they just made it hard to feed him. They made it hard to get the ball down to him, while Kofi and Illinois did not make it hard to get the ball to him, and then Kofi just didn't guard him. So there would be one thing if Oregon State let us get the ball to him, but if you could watch the game – Guys found it hard to even get the ball down there. Yeah, like you, you never felt like there was a clean pass. It never felt like they were. They felt easy getting the ball. And again, there were about five times or four to five times I could count my hand that we did an amazing break into the zone. And then all of a sudden, Porter still wanted to shoot the three, and I was like, "Why don't you try to keep trying to break that zone? Like keep, keep like breaking at it because mm-hmm. yes, they'll get to the they'll do man." But at least if they're in zone, you've got to try to go back to what broke the zone. That was what was my head. And, again, I'm not a coach. I'm not making the money that Porter's making or any of these guys. But it was just like you sit there and you know this team just beat Illinois by using Cam. So I kind of was just hoping we'd use Cam more. So, again, we can't really put it all in the guards. Might be the game plan. Um, but, again, really excited, though. Um, I think personally the guard, everyone this tournament – um, I, and, and it's, and a player, some players stepped up tremendously more than I thought they would. Um, just again, a little tough. Uh, I had to say it was one of the toughest things to see Cam and, uh, Lucas hugging. Uh, of course we have no clue what's going on, but, uh, just really tough to see. Um, and that's kind of my take on the game. It was just something that I was like, Hey, it happened. Um, it was tough to swallow. Again, it was just the first half. We just really weren't kicking. The second half, hey, we dropped 42 points. Like, that's uh, amazing. But it's just like the first half really put us down into a hole that we just couldn't climb out ourselves out of, really. So is that, is that all you got on the on the game, then? Uh, I, if you want to bring up more, please, I will talk more. It's just like I feel like I'm beating a dead horse or yeah. whatever, another phrase. It's so tough. Um, I, I think I would love to hear what people think. I think – Again, hey, we, we talked about it. I'm tired of Twitter analysts. I really am. <laughs> uh, one of my hot takes this past week, or this tournament really, was that they love talking about your your Cinderella moment. And, like again, I don't think this team was at all a Cinderella. Um, and they love to, like, hype your team up and then just bash the team. And, again, that's just yep. nearly life on Twitter. And that's why, again, it's social media. So I do – we record this for the fun of it, not really for, like, any bashing – I just anything we say negative is just kind of just the way it was. I'm not gonna I'm not making things up with some of the stuff. So um, tough to swallow game. Like again, I I personally I thought since we were playing Oregon State, if we were playing Oklahoma State, I'll be honest with you, I did yeah. think we were gonna lose potentially. But it's mm-hmm. because we had the Oregon State matchup. I was really hoping we could push into the Elite Eight. And then the Houston team is definitely a, a, a team that's up there. They're number two seed, just like Illinois. Um, and then I did think we'd kind of get to a tired moment, but it was just the fact that we were playing Oregon State and coming off that, come on, we were coming off a game against Illinois. Everyone was hyping us up. There was so much rah, rah, rah. So just really, uh, just a little, again, not as bad as the Valpo loss last year. I'm not <laughs> going to say it's going to be a sour taste not. for long, but it's, it left a little bit of like, mm, that didn't, that didn't feel right. So it's just yeah. the difference of like being the favorite and then being the underdog and, I mean, yeah. I've tried to say it on Twitter, too, and it, it's just like there's a certain level of stress that comes with being the favorite because, like, you are, like, they were favored by, like, what, six, seven points to win this game. You know, Oregon State's a 12. 12s never make it this far. Like, you know, very rarely. Um, and it, there's just a certain stress level, and, and I was hoping that these guys would have um, been able to, like, uh, draw parallels back to like the regular season where we were favored in almost in every single conference game at least where like you, when you go out there like you're playing Evansville or Missouri State or or Indiana State those guys know that you know Loyola is supposed to win Loyola is supposed to be the better team on paper and they give you their best shot every time 
And of course, like, you know, the NCAA tournament, that's always the case. You're always getting someone's best shot, but it's even more when Oregon State's been hearing all this stuff, but Loyola's so great and they're, they're going to win and, and they're coming out there gunning for us. And I, I was kind of disappointed that we didn't, we didn't handle that better, but you know, it, again, you got to put it in perspective. These are young adults who are college athletes who are not going to go to the NBA, I don't think. Um, and they're human beings, and, and they it was it was I, I don't want to anyone to think for one second that we're questioning their effort or their abilities or their or their ability to prepare. It was evident that these guys played their asses off, that they hustled, that they prepared, that they studied, all of that, that they took care of their bodies. It just it it just came down to fortune and misfortune and and not making shots that they make. 40 50 percent of the time and then they come out here and they shoot 20 percent from three like that for that was that was it for me um just as far as like i just don't want anyone to think that we're like you said earlier like we're not trying to talk down about anyone it's just what we saw and they they didn't and they will say it too they didn't play up to like the expectations that they set for themselves mm-hmm. and as fans like you and i are of what and we watch every game and even practice and preseason and exhibition and any practice film we can get from Austin. Like, we know what these guys can do to an extent, and we know that what they did in the Sweet 16 game against Oregon State was not – was not um, – uh, ref- didn't reflect what they can do. Yeah. No, 100%. And it's funny. Well, I don't know if it's funny. I just – when you said go back to the season, I went back to a game that – you know what this reminded me of? And it's true because I'm looking at it right now. Is It reminded me of the second half of the Southern Illinois game that went to OT where yeah. we scored 18 points, <laughs> shot 0% from three, 27% from field goal, and Lance Jones himself scored 19 points in that whole half. Jeez. So, again – we, we've had bad games, and then that's the thing. It's like you try to outweigh the bad games when you have the good – so you have to outweigh your good games versus the bad games. And, again, this is just – it's on a national stage. It's big press. So um, it's just one of those things. But, again, hey, hats off to everyone. Hats off to hopefully never seen any of those March Madness Sister Jean weird Instagram posts. Oh, my God. Um, but they need to stop. I love that woman, and she does not deserve any of that. She does not deserve to be edited onto no, onto every, many things. Yeah, no. She but, um, oh, it was kind of cool, though. Um, I'm sorry, do you have anything more about the actual no, playing I game? No, I don't. Yeah. One last thing, Braden Norris. 40 minutes, he's a warrior. We will When we talk about him in summary this season, we will talk more about that, but uh, I you had really, to say it. You really, Yeah, you really did, and I respect that. I respect it. It uh, was funny. Uh, well, um, one thing I didn't – so after the game, of course, we got to talk about the big things. Uh, yes. Cam got interviewed. Again, uh, post-game was tough. Um, he hugged Lucas, of course, as they were getting off the court. I think one of the toughest things to see. Probably two of the most – I most impactful guys in recent, like there's been the 2018 team, there was uh, Milton Doyle, there was Blake Sheep, but two guys to go from the freshman year, of course, we're, we're not going to be the only cliche people, but freshman year to Final Four to now seniors, Sweet 16, really, really just an interesting uh, kind of foundation. Um, but again, one thing that we had to talk about was just Porter kept getting asked a certain question, and um the question was really around what was Porter's future. And mm. thought it was kind of weird, but, again, we're not news reporters, and, uh, again, that's why I have a little annoyance for news reporters. But it was a question everyone kept asking, but I was wondering what you took from any of the game, both either Cam's or Porter's post Yeah, post-game. I'll talk about Porter first. And because um, you, you mentioned earlier before we started reporting what your opinion is, and I think I actually have a different one. So, okay. Um, should we in list opinion, out? Let's list out the schools first as well. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll, that, that's part of what I'm going to say. Yeah, yeah. Okay, perfect. So for me, like, the, there's really three I think that worried me at all, which are Marquette, Indiana, and DePaul. Um, and yes, DePaul. I'll, I'll get to that. Um, you know, there's other jobs. I even asked on Twitter. You know, there's Texas, Oklahoma's open now. Um, I don't even know. Those are kind of the only other ones I can think of right now, but. Those sort of ones don't bother me. Um, uh, is those three, and now two of them have been filled, 
And they both really got filled before Marquette and Indiana, before they could even talk to Porter, really. I mean, I think Indiana was like the next day at 10 a.m. or something. So there's really no chance they talked to Porter. Um, and I, I thought for sure that both of those two in particular would talk to Porter. It's Midwest. It's close-ish to Chicago. Um, they're, you know, relatively good teams with good histories, upstanding programs, both of them, I think, for the most part. Um, and and that kind of just read to me as like, oh, Porter's going to get interviewed. I, I didn't think he would be the odds-on favorite to win either job, but I thought he probably had a, yeah, I don't know, 30 to 40% chance he'd get either one of them. Um, and so then I started to think, okay, so then, you know, then Marquette got Phil Shaka Smart and Indiana with uh, Woodson. And I started to think, well, what, what's going on here? Like, what, how do they not even interview him? That's crazy. And pair that with the, the little drop of knowledge that Abby Schnabel posted, like, minutes before the Loyola game, the Sweet 16 game, that she had said that her source said that Porter's not going anywhere, that Porter's staying at Loyola. I, and this is where I think really is where I differ from your opinion, I think Porter has been, has told his agent or whoever deals with his stuff while he's busy, um, I don't want to go anywhere. I, he's, I think he's, he said that like he doesn't want, this is my opinion, um, that he didn't want to really entertain either of those jobs. Because that's the only way I can, I can't believe that Marquette or Indiana would not have even talked to him. So then in my head, the only way that that's possible is if they did ask Porter's representation or, or Porter himself. I don't, I don't know how that works, but, and whoever replied for him said, nope, he's not interested. Um, so that's my opinion. I still think it's possible he does take the DePaul job, which maybe we could talk about that after you give your piece, but, mm-hmm. um, I'm, Really, really shocked that neither Marquette or Indiana gave him an interview. But uh, what's what's your opinion about all the Porter stuff? Yeah, so um, it, it is really interesting. The um, the DePaul and Marquette are very similar, um, in my opinion, in ways. Like uh, I think Marquette and DePaul are, are both in the same conference. They're DePaul though is in Chicago, so it's and I just I find it weird that Porter would potentially go to DePaul and not just stay at Loyola. Uh, but again, is would it be a money thing? I think that the whole DePaul thing would potentially come down to money in my head. I, I really couldn't see it not coming to anything but money. Um, Indiana, I thought that was absolutely a farce. I really couldn't really? see how Indiana would consider. Like look look at the name. Indiana was going after NBA assistant coaches. They yeah, weren't really okay. going after. Uh, is that really there, that much better? Well, yeah, because Mike Woodson's a former player mm-hmm. at the University of Indiana, so he's got the Indiana roots. Um, he's been a head coach in the NBA before. So, again, better is, like, relative. They thought Archie right. – they did. well, again, here's the thing, though. We have to look at what they just did. They just tried Archie Miller, a guy who succeeded at the mid-major level, brought Dayton to relative to uh, relative big stages in the in March Madness – and then they tried it out, and it's like, hey, this mid-major guy didn't really work out. So maybe they also weren't – I don't even think they were going to go that route because they just tried to do that with Archie Miller. So why try that again? Um, I do think the the biggest name that was out there that he already denied it early on for Indiana was Steve Alford. Steve Alford, funny enough, is actually the head coach at Nevada. But people are like, well, that's a mid-major. Well, he also was the head coach at UCLA, and he's also a decorated – like I think his number might be retired – at Indiana because he played there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, he was a two-time All-American for Indiana, so, like, great player at Indiana. Uh, so I thought that name would be easy money, but he said no right away. So just from my head, there was no way I personally thought Porter was actually going to go uh, to um, to Indiana just because I don't think Indiana actually would re- uh, talk. Marquette definitely reached out to an agent. There's no way Marquette didn't. Um, I think Marquette would have been tough – just for potentially recruiting. I don't know. It was so interesting because it's like Marquette did get some names. You could get the Wisconsin, but like Wisconsin basketball. Um, I do think DePaul would have had the slight edge 
over uh, Marquette because it's in Chicago. Like, come on. If I had to yeah. pick between cities, I'm picking Chicago over the suburb of Chicago, which is Milwaukee. Um, <laughs> and uh, that that was just an interesting thing. Um, though, again, there were a lot of things talked around about would Porter make Loyola the next Gonzaga of the Midwest. Um, that's really interesting. And the one, way I'll segue this to is because – because right now, as we speak, I don't think there's a job. I don't think he'll take the DePaul job unless he gets paid absolute crazy money and then he doesn't care about, like, allegiance. He just cares about money, yeah. which I, I totally understand. Some people, again, coaches sometimes only get short amount of time. He, yeah. Yeah, so understood, but that would be a little weird, I think. Um, but right now there's no job out there. I think this comes back to 2018 that after our final four run, there wasn't really jobs out there. Um, Xavier was doing higher within. So now there's really nothing out there. Um, unless you get there, I really don't see anything. So um, No, I don't either. So the one thing, though, that I would like to see, and something that I could relatively see, and I, I, I think we all hope for it, because it's getting out that whole nostalgia, nostalgia feel to it, is I would hope Porter is pushing us to a new conference. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have come to the conclusion the last – even last week after the Illinois game and then everyone kept talking, I really have come to the conclusion that our time in the Missouri Valley, and I do think this uh, – we owe an episode to this over the summer. I do think our time in the NBC should be over soon. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not just our basketball team. Our women's just won uh, the regular yeah. season soccer game. So it's not just – our volleyball men's volleyball team is probably one of the best in the country as always – Every year, mm-hmm. our men's soccer team's now gone, won championships. Missouri State actually is ranked in the the country, so they're pretty good this year. But, like, our other programs are good-winning programs, too. I'm not just saying we're just being tossed because we're like – like, which, let's be honest. Wichita State left because their basketball program, not really because of other programs. They have baseball, but their basketball program was how many Final Fours, how many undefeated seasons. So mm-hmm. that was kind of it. I think our school is situated in such a location that is so appealing to other conferences – that I think that jump is what's next. Um, and, hey, Porter led us out of the Horizon League to Missouri Valley. Mm-hmm. So this wouldn't be the first time Porter has suggested or made aspire to get out of into a new conference. And I think that new conference could solidify Porter at level long term. And the yeah. way I think about it is it would be exact, it would be Greg McDermott, uh, yeah. which personally I thought Greg McDermott was on the hot seat for a little bit, which – I usually thought Porter was going to go there, alum on the hot streak, but Greg McDermott leaves the Missouri Valley, goes to the Big East, and has now solidified. Again, it took him a little bit, but you're just joining a new conference. You've got the resources. And if kids are going to Omaha, Nebraska, I've never been, probably lovely. Mm -hmm. But if they're going to Omaha, Nebraska to play basketball for Creighton, a team that doesn't have the history is also the other thing. Mm-hmm. I think we could potentially build a program out at Loyola in Chicago. So that's where I'm going to lean toward. I do think we're due to another episode of the summer. I'd love to hear your take quick on it if you want to go into it. Yeah. But that's kind of the coaching thing I think is over for this season. Again, we'll talk about it probably again next season. But for this season, I really hope potentially we'll see uh, more of a, more of a Loyola push to uh, – to uh, another conference. Come on, the the guy. I believe he said it in his introductory press conference. He wanted to get. He literally said he wanted to get out of the Horizon League to be just like Butler. So that's yeah. my take. Yeah, I mean, just quickly, um, I think he he'd take the the Creighton job in an instant if it was offered to him. And he should. I, I would never fault him for that. Um, his history's there. Rick Majerus, all that kind of stuff. So like, if he would be an idiot, honestly, if he didn't take that job if it was offered to him. Secondly, I honestly, I mean, the only other, yeah, I mean, like, I would be worried about, I don't know, if Michigan or U of I or, you know, one of those bigger schools ever came calling or a blue blood, like, sure. But the other realistic one, I think, is actually Northwestern. And I hate to say it. Um, that school up in Evanston, because it's even closer to him. He's He lives in Evanston. And it's the exact same market, like, recruiting-wise. And it's the Big Ten. I, I think, I honestly think, uh, Northwestern is way more enticing than DePaul. Um, and neither of those jobs are open, and I don't think either of them, you know, barring a total collapse next season. I mean, Northwestern is not good every year, but um, like a scandal or something like that, I don't think either of those jobs are really going to be open next year either. 
Um, but but yeah, I I think I, I still I'm gonna keep my eyes on DePaul, but I think they were zeroing in on someone and then they weren't and like but they really haven't mentioned Porter that I can tell. Uh, I mean, there's been like a couple things here and there that have said it, but who knows. Um, so yeah, that's kind of all I gotta say about Porter. Well, and like you said, we'll we'll have an episode about um about changing conferences and inevitably Loyola if if they don't change conferences they better give him a new contract because then he's as soon as his contract is up he, he'll be gone if they don't give him a new one that would be stupid. you mean extended though right yeah, is that what you're, yeah. Oh, okay yeah like, cuz I was like he did get a revised contract money wise cuz right. I know that was a big thing oh it's going to be cash I was like he is getting these like the highest paid employee we got so he's yeah. getting paid for what we got, so if that's going to come it down to it, um, but like you said about extending, yeah, like look at Darren DeVries, what he got a seven-year extension. I think nine. Nine. Look at that. okay, Maybe wow, it's seven um, more years. Exactly. Yeah, no, because he's yeah, actually that makes yeah. sense. He's what think he's been there what two, three years now. So yeah, um, so yeah, no, totally get that. So yeah, no, interesting. Yeah, I mean, even I don't know if they just extend it one year and 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 maybe they tear up the old one and give him ten percent more of what he's making now. So you know, over the course of the next six years or whatever, he gets a lot more money. I don't know, something they they need to do something for him. So, um, yeah. But then I guess the other thing is we we want to talk about a little bit here is like the roster, um, senior stuff like that. I actually I want to start off this portion with a hot take if, if you don't mind do okay. you mind? no no i figured we're probably going to give a proper senior and every player yes like you said but yeah no let's let's hear okay so my hot take is that i don't think that lucas or cam should come back period should come back no no no, no. i don't think i don't no, no, think I'm saying you don't should. think they should not saying you don't think they will you just don't think they should at all. Right. If, if yeah. they asked me, if Cameron, Cameron Crotwig and Lucas Williamson came up to me, but... Which they will. They will. Right. They of, will. of course they will, yeah. And said, what should we do? I would say, you should leave and graduate. I, I, don't, I hope they don't play anywhere else, but that's not my choice. Um, because they have this legacy. It, it will never... Like, theoretically will never be broken. I mean, hopefully they, you know, hopefully two other players come along and do better than them. But realistically, like what, we're really going to get two more players to come here and go to another final four and better than a sweet 16. Eh, I don't know. Um, so they have this legacy that is probably in our, in our history of loyal men's basketball is only second to the 1963 national champions. Um, they have this great history. Cam Cam is going to get his jersey retired. There's no if they don't, they're stupid. They they have they they probably already have it all planned out for the first game of next year. Raise a banner and retire Cameron's <laughs> jersey. I think there's a good shot Lucas actually get his re- retired as well. I don't think it's a hundred percent, but um, I think it's possible just because of what he did, what he means to the program. Chicago kid. He's co-narrating the documentary about the national championship team. Um, he's probably the nicest dude I've ever seen on any sports team that I can tell. Um, so I think he's got a chance, but what I'm trying to say here is they have this legacy. If they come back next year they get hurt, they underperform, they, uh, don't pretty much if they don't win another regular season or arch madness title, that's what they're going to be remembered for. They're not going to, I mean, yeah, you'll like, Oh yeah, those are the guys that won the final four. Didn't they? come back and not weren't they not as good like can you imagine that like I, that would be horrible that would be horrible if cam came back and he averaged like 10 and 6 rebounds or something and lucas was shot 28 percent from three like that would be horrible i, I don't want to remember those guys that way i want to remember them as they went to the final four as freshmen and they went out as sweet 16 three regular season champions um two out of three tournaments making it uh, you know, at least two rounds in. Um, and and also, this is kind of just a small side note, I want to see if Porter is a good coach or if he has been leaning on Cameron Crutwig for four years. I am not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not doubting Porter, but I also, I think there's some legitimacy to wondering if, if, if it was just the fact that Cameron Crutwig perfectly fit his system 
or that his system works well with anyone. Um, so the curiosity in me wants them also to not return. So I can see, <laughs> is Porter really that good? Or was Cam that good or better than we're giving him credit for? So that's my hot take. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure a lot of fans are, I hope I've at least sparked some interest or curiosity in people listening. If you're mad at me, I get it. <laughs> um, then I'm pretty much saying I don't want our two best players in the last 30 years to come back to school and play another year for us. But um, I just think that they deserve to be thought of in the highest regard, and I don't want anything to change that. So, um, Lou, what, what do you think? Either about either of those guys, both those guys, the rest of the seniors, um, anything like that? I don't know. If it, I, I don't, I, it's so tough. I, I think uh, we'd love to see Huddy have his own career because um, I think he'll probably play the next four years. He has opportunity to. Um, I think the Drake team is going to be very good since everyone from Drake is coming back. So yeah. when I think of that, I'm like, I want our guys to come back too. So it's tough. Um, again, like you said, it'd be a great point. I want to be a team that's upset at a Sweet 16 exit because I want to see another group go to the NCAA tournament and just constantly be going. And it would be interesting to see if Porter could do that again. Uh, so, again, I ha- I do think there are differences in those few teams that have made it to a postseason, big postseason tournament um, it's from 2018 to now. Granted, there is a similarity that Cameron Kurt was on both teams, and so was Lucas. Uh, so it, again, it's exciting to think about. It's exciting to talk. I think the two biggest storylines this off season potentially will be if Porter staying, which I'm going to lean toward yes, but I am directly 50, 50 on if, uh, Cameron Crutwick and Lucas Williamson and I hear Ugok and Keith Clemens and Tate Hall are any of you coming back. Um, cause I think if a single one of them comes back, that kind of, changes and really it's a it's a it's a different team different dynamic maybe we 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 we, uh we push the kind of the script around a one one player so we'll see so i have a fun hypothetical question for you okay okay so take cam cam and lucas off the table if you could i thought we were about to make like a frankenstein and be like (laughs) take cams because they did that in the NCAA tournament they're like you got to take luke garza's shoulders i'm like his shoulders like come on yeah, hit, hit me with it. Okay, okay. So taking Cam and Lucas off the table, between I hear Ugak, Keith Clemens, and Tate Hall, if you could pick one, one of the three to come back, which one would you take? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> um, mm, that's really tough because mm-hmm. I think the player I want to see come back out of those three doesn't truly benefit under Porter's system. Okay. But I think he's had a uh, the other guy though has a ceiling up too. I'm just gonna go with it because he's he 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 did really show a massive amount of progress this year, and mm-hmm. I think that's a hero Ugok. Mm-hmm. I think another year under the belt, and Keith too. That's what Keith and him were the hard ones. But a hero made it to the third team. Like yeah, a really drastically massive improvement from the year from any year he played, but the year before to now. So another year under his belt would be – having another year would be amazing. I just truly don't think Porter ha, um, has plays built around him or – like he does for Cam. But Cam's a special guy. Cam can also pass it a little bit better than a here. Mm-hmm. Granted, can a here shoot sometimes? So that may be something that could come, a, come to it. But if I had to pick, I'd pick a here for the fact that his trajectory is – it's going up right now. So if he's got another year, maybe it just keeps going up. Yeah, okay, here's here's my pick. So I would pick Tate Hall. Um, okay. I I think that he uh he obviously took the biggest step not step back, like reduced role, um, from last year to this year when when you got, you know, Braden playing more minutes, um and also like uh Marquise playing more minutes and then you had guys coming in off the bench like Tom and, and Huddy. Tate took the biggest step back. Um, reduced role. That's what I'm, I'm meaning to say. And I just think he did, had such a great junior year. Um, I think he was third team All Valley, if I'm not mistaken. 
Um, and I think he is a way better shooter than uh, what did he finish at? Because like his, I'm hold on, I'm gonna pull up the stats, but he shot so well in in 2019 2020 he shot 40 42 and a half percent from three. This year he shot 29 percent from three. And we all know that's not who he is. We know. I mean, maybe he's not a 42% shooter from three, but he's very well a 35, 37% shooter from three. So um, I would love to see him come back. I think if he came back, wow, he played, holy crap, looking at this. Last year, he averaged, he ended up averaging 33 minutes a game. This year, 21 minutes a game. Um, And yet, you know, he still made all those hustle plays and stuff. I just think that if he came back, I think he has potentially the most to gain from coming back. Um... I, I, like, you know, we, we like to think about our guys going on and playing pro, like whether that's, you know, like Milton going to the G League and the NBA, but more often than not, it's like the European leagues um, or somewhere overseas. I, I definitely see both Keith and Ahir, and then also Lucas and Cam, but we're not talking about those guys. Um, I see the other two as definitely having, like, professional careers for however long they want. Like, if it's two years, if it's five years, something like that. They, they'll find an, uh, a team somewhere. I feel like Tate Hall, I, I think he deserves it, but I, I feel like some teams might be like, oh, well, why did you do so so much poorer in, in your senior year? You should have been improving. And I think he just has a lot to gain from potentially playing another year. I really want to see. I think he's a great shooter. I love his size. I love that he hustles. Um, he's always diving on the floor. I think he's actually a perfect player for for Porter's system, especially when he's shooting a little bit better. So um, I would pick Tate, and then just for for the hell of it, why why we might take Keith? Um, he's a point guard. He's a leader. He is a winner. Um, he's obviously someone that I think Marquise looks up to a lot. And I think they get along real well. Like I think they're genuine, like like genuinely really good friends. Um, so I could see that potentially keeping him here. Um, so improvement, that's just... improvement as well. Like last year, and even though he started not on the not starting, he mm-hmm. easily uh, was uh, massive improvements uh, this this year as well for him. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, he wow, he ended up. He, he had a good year last year, actually. Looking he, at it. Oh, wow. He Because he averaged over 10 points last year. I didn't realize that. Keith averaged over 10 points last year? Yeah. And he played more, which that's not surprising. Well, he yeah. Shot, wow. He shot 40, over, almost 46% from three last year. And then shot 44.5 this year. We, we paid a, Did we pay attention last year? I don't know. I mean, well, it was just there was less guy. Like, Braden wasn't playing. It was basically, like, this team minus Braden and also a here wasn't as good, just, you know, straight up. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty – it's a very similar team, but um, I don't know. I, but still, I, I Still roughly shot the same from three. I think the points right. – one of the tweets, if we had to summarize it, one of the tweets was, like, we only have one guy in double digits. This year was a lot of people sitting around the right. nine, eight, seven uh, point range. Yeah. But my gut would say too, like I think he had a better year this year than last year. Yeah. Um, like overall, but but yeah, I I just thought it was kind of fun. I was curious what your answer would be because I honestly had no clue like who you would take. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I I like I'm not trying to make light of it, but it's also kind of fun to think about these sort of things because it's never happened before <laughs> to have. This is new territory. Yeah, for them to be eligible. So, um, who knows? They, I, I don't think they're all coming back because I don't think there's enough scholarships to go around. No, um, they all they all get it. Even if they go over the. Yep. No, they all get it. Every really? that's Drake's over. Every team will be over. That's the thing. It's gonna. It's gonna. It's gonna be. I'm. I'm personally confused. Because then do – so there's a lot of things that maybe we also dedicate maybe doing a little research because I, I need to know more about it as well. Um, because in my head it's like then do the freshmen who are – the high school seniors who are playing now, do they get an extra year? Yeah, eventually this is going to have to – they're going to have to figure something out. Or they could like say, okay, we're permanently adding one more scholarship as their way of like – 
that's how they're solving it. Yeah. I don't think they'll do that. I think eventually, whether it's, you know, 2022, like two seasons from now, 2023, mm-hmm. eventually they're going to say, all right, you have to get back to, what is it, 14, 13, 12? 13. Or, or again, as we see this year, everyone just transfers, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing is everyone's just transferring. So I that's the one thing. I don't. I don't want Cameron Lucas to transfer. I could see. I could understand if guys like Ahir or Keith or Tate do transfer. Like maybe they could go to any mid-major team they wanted and probably play thirty-five minutes a game at any you know St. Joe's or Duquesne or UCF or Central Florida or like something like you know any any no, random yeah. team that's not like top three in their conference, they could go there and, and, and they could be their number one or number two guy. So I would get that. I would, I could understand that. I just don't, I don't, I don't want to see it's like, this is a different sports analogy, but I'm, I'm a big Cubs fan. Um, and there's talks right now about Anthony Rizzo and his contract extension. And like, I can't see Anthony Rizzo wearing anybody else other than the Cubs, even though he was a Padre for like 13 games or something. But it's same thing. I can't. There's no way I can. I would be able to like not vomit if I saw Cameron Crutwig in a Kansas State jersey or Lucas in like a I don't know, an NC State or I don't know. I just I no. I get it. I get it. I get it. I agree. But I'm rambling at this point. I guess that's the point, right? Ramblers. Um, I don't know, man. It's 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 been such a fun year. I like. There's so much I want to say. There's so much like I haven't thought about yet because it's it's happened. It feels like so quick, and there's going to be more podcasts to talk about things. But the one thing I do have to say, and I've seen other people say this, but like just the fact that this team got us through such a tough part of like his just in history. Like you're looking, we're going to be looking back on this in 20 years, 30 years, whatever. Remember that team that went to the Sweet 16 during the the freaking pandemic, man? Like. That's crazy. Like, that's such a weird sentence. Like, it's such a strange occurrence of events. And, and those, these months were really tough. I know for you, for me, they were too. Um, they were just so much fun that the whole team just, like, exuded joy and, like, happiness. And they're just genuinely good guys, um, from what I can tell. Cam and Lucas, of course, leading the way. But, you know... Keith Clemens, just like he's always got that smile, and Uguak improving, like you said this year, and Tate being such a like physical leader. I feel like for these guys, like a culture leader, which I wouldn't have guessed. Um, you know, those are just the seniors, and then you got other, you know, the role player guys too, and Braden and Marquise and Cooper and all that kind of stuff. So, just a fun team, um, a weird time, and. Good memories. I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't know if you need to follow that up, but I, any, no, it, any sort it, of... it sounded perfect. Yeah, no, it's good. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, I think that's gonna do it. Um, we will. I think for at least a few weeks, we're gonna keep doing um, weekly podcasts, and we mm-hmm. might miss a week here or there, but we'll let you know if that does happen. Um, we do have something fun in store. Uh, we are trying and planning and building a website. Um, it is in the works. There's nothing set in stone, but um, I do think it will happen. We both really want it to happen. We both have a few connections that we're trying to, to talk to to set that up. Um, it would be a place where you could go to see our podcast, but also like potentially read stories and see recruiting stuff and any future merchandise or gear or something like that. Like we once upon a time we had stickers. Maybe we'll bring that back. Um, but it would all just be for fun um, and and just to kind of expand. Um, we've had a couple, like literally a couple people, like ask us if if we want help or if we would want to do something. And we we've been really excited and enticed by those ideas and I think it would be something that there would be interest in from the fans and from listeners and and maybe even people that don't listen to the podcast but want to figure out a way to like read or or support us or support the team um so that is in the works um 
if you've been reading our Twitter replies, you'll know that we, we might have a fun guest, uh, a former Rambler on at some point in the future. Um, I'll let you guys read in the details, but that would be to kick off next season, most likely. Um, and, uh, I don't know, just fun stuff, but we're going to continue to put out podcasts unless, unless we say otherwise. We're going to have our normal, like, season in review, players in review, um, content, and then new guys, new recruits, new commits, whatever all that works itself out. We have no idea when that's all going to be finalized. Um, yeah, Lou, anything to say about any of that? Are you excited for it? I'm excited that we ended the season on a positive, I th- and I'm excited to see what more we got in the future. Cool, me too. Um, well, that's going to do it from Podcast 63, another season in the books, another fun one. Um, we will still be here. We'll still be chatting about Loyola basketball for weeks to come, months to come, years to come, hopefully, too. So we uh, appreciate everyone listening, and um, don't forget, and always remember, go Blurs.